You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. All right. Welcome to Refrigerator Diaries, brought to you from the Detroit Podcast Network and sponsored by the Foundation Hotel. From workout classes to lively soirees, the Detroit Foundation Hotel is a place where the local community and hotel guests can celebrate together. Be sure to check out the apparatus room, bridging the old and the new, offering iconic new American cuisine rooted in Midwestern ingredients. All right, we are the Refrigerator Diaries. Jay, why don't you go ahead and tell them what Refrigerated Diaries is up to these days? Uh, just being great, doing what we usually do. we got three great uh, guests today. Um, a little food truck, a little uh, entrepreneurship, and uh, a chef, maybe. I don't know. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, hashtag Refrigerated Diaries. What's in your RD? Keeping the people engaged with the food. Share your stories, videos, music, topics. Let people know what's on your diary. Hashtag what's your RD. So we're going to start off with our first guest here. We've got a couple in the room, but we'll uh, start off with the first here. It's uh, Rich Zamola, correct? Yeah, you got it. Before we dive in with Rich from Hero or Villain, uh, here's a quick story. Probably the most memorable food experience I had was on the island of Puerto Rico. Growing up in Chicago, less than 15 minutes from Humboldt Park, I was no stranger to Puerto Rican food. In Puerto Rico, we stayed in a rural area near Ponce. I stayed with a friend's family who has chickens on their property for fresh eggs in the morning. The most delicious bananas were sold on the street side, and pig roasts were more frequent than Starbucks in a big city. I made tostones and arroz con gondolas with an OG abuelita, and we drank homemade rum. For those not familiar, tostones is a plantain that is smashed, double-fried, and absolutely smothered in garlic oil. All right. So, Rich, before we get into everything with you here, you are now, as I understand it, the founder and president of, is it the first food truck association in Detroit, in Michigan, or in the Midwest? Um, actually, no. So, well, I, okay, it's let me start. <laughs> I, am, <laughs> I am the uh, president of the MDFTA. Uh, the MDFTA is a Metro Detroit Food Truckers Association. Um, it is, I think, the second take at a you know a regional uh, association. There is also a Michigan association. There's a couple different associations in Illinois, Ohio, and everything. So okay, um, you know, so definitely Michigan, Metro Detroit centric. Um, you know, but we're we're here and trying to create opportunities for food truckers and um, link those to clients and people who want food. When did you guys uh, initiate? When did you guys start? So it was a so I I can't take all the credit for the idea. So really, the brainchild of this is Karen from Nosh Pit, and she had the idea really right when she started uh, about a year and a half ago. And so from her, actually when we all first got together and we're talking about the association, she kind of put me on the spot right away and nominated me as president. Um, and she got second really quick and. Um, and then it could just, you know, kind of, I mean, we're all, we all sit on the board, but, um, you know, we, we've been going from there and, and, you know, like I said, trying to create those opportunities. Hopefully the website goes, uh, for us goes live here in the next month or so. But, um, but yeah. 
Nice, nice. And shout out to Karen with Pit. They uh, recently opened up a restaurant in Hamtramck. They specialize in a lot of uh, great vegan dishes. If you haven't checked them out, be sure to. Uh, so you're from Chicago, right? Yeah, Chicago, Chicago man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as I understand it, you got an event background. Or was that your father? Yeah. So I um, grew up working at my father's company, doing a lot of uh, events, outdoor events. So like 5Ks, marathons. Uh, concerts, street festivals. Um, and with that, I mean, you're always around food too. So, you know, that, that was all part of, uh, growing up in Chicago. Okay. Now it was your father's company. Yeah. He started oh. it the year before I was born. Um, okay. so I, I was the middle child, so to speak. Okay. Um, and, uh, and yeah, no, it was, it was good working for him and it helped definitely, you know, teach me how to have that entrepreneurial, uh, you know, spirit and and attitude when it you know comes to doing your own business. So my father was an entrepreneur as well. Yeah, uh, he was a uh, little known fact. He was one of the original uh, computer programmers for Marvin with the state of Michigan. Oh wow, Marvin yes. and I are good friends. Oh yeah, I know about Marvin. <laughs> Me and Marvin go way back. Yeah, ironically, so so do I. <laughs> that's, that's that's welfare, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. If you guys don't know, that's dad. Marvin. It's welfare. So yes. you um unemployment. You can, <laughs> you. you can Came here. Uh, how many? I gotta ask you. How many days did you work for free? How many dates did I work for free? Yeah, like on the truck. You're talking about? No, when you were working for your father. Oh, when I was working for my dad. Oh, I. I mean, I remember coming out when I was like in fourth or sixth grade or something like that, and just like set, setting up tables and chairs and you know whatever I could do at that age, putting out cones or something. Did you realize so, what you were doing? I, yeah, I mean, you, okay. you know, you definitely knew, but I, I had fun with all of the crew and, you know, just being out and whatnot on the weekends. It probably kept me out of trouble to be real, um, with that. But, um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it, but yeah, no, it was, it was still work. Definitely still work. Okay. And then you decided to, to come to Detroit and, um, was it 2014, 2013? Um, let me think about this. I want to say it was 2013. Is when I made it to Michigan. I started in in Lansing for about six months, and then I made it to the Detroit area. Um, was in Ferndale for a while, Royal Oak, and now in Clawson. Yeah. Okay, and this is on the food truck on Hero or Villain. So, oh, well, this is you know me personally with the, the food truck started in 2014. I'm sorry, okay. yeah, the food truck you started. Personally, what were you doing? Just you know trying to figure things out. Okay. <laughs> so I had a couple different <laughs> concepts when I came up here. It wasn't uh you know just a food truck right off the bat, but okay. um. You know, it kind of narrowed its way down. And, and really, um, for all the entrepreneurs out there, that's the good way to start because it's it's uh, not a whole lot of startup costs in comparison. So Okay. What were the other ones? Do we need to sign some NDAs for you to tell yeah. us? Was that? Do we need to sign some <laughs> NDAs for you to tell us? What, what were the other ideas? I there? mean, so, well, originally, really originally, I, I was looking to open up a dispensary, right? Because they, right. they yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's, it might hey, be on the all, ballot in November. Hey, hey, it, hey. You know, and it, 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 there's a lot of places that are open and, and they're doing really well. Um, and then there's, it's just been so gray with, uh, with the laws here. Very so gray. Very it's, gray. um, it's tough with not having a lot of capital and, and trying mm-hmm. to start something and thinking that you can invest all your money into that and they can just be taken from you easily. And the insurance yeah, is, is not even there yet for a lot of that stuff. So, so it was, it was something that, you know, there was a lot of my heart in it, but at the same time, it just like didn't make sense business wise, at least from my standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, it moved to a cafe that I wanted to open would have you know, have full liquor license and everything with that. And then we condensed it and, Made it something affordable. <laughs> oh, yes. You have a liquor license now? 
No, we got to get that though. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're well, working on brick and mortar, hopefully in the next couple of years. So, so how did you choose hero or villain? The name of the food truck. How did you? I, I love it first of all, but how did you choose it? Yeah, so um, a couple ways I'm gonna answer that. So I was reading a food truck handbook. You know, like when you're starting out and you're just trying to get everything you can get, and um, it was talking about how people uh, name things. Actually. It, in retrospect, it might have just been uh, generic, like starting a business, restaurant business or food business. But um, but they talked about how things are always named this and that. Uh, Mike's and Joe's or okay. father and son. You know, there's always an and. So just initially, I just wanted to be different and say or. Um, and honestly, it's, it's something that people struggle with. They read it um, they, or they look at the logo and they just assume that it's and or assume that it's versus or something. So the or kind of throws people off. But um, I so, thought it was versus for a while. Yeah. And a lot of people do. And, but it, and, it, and it's all good. It, it's it's uh, makes it a little bit difficult, difficult, I think, when you're trying to find a website or something like that. <laughs> but if you Google search, you, you'll be all right. Um, but definitely the concept, the hero and villain concept, um, I always really like a duality, right? So um, you know, people are different um, in the sense that we want to offer things that are classic and we want to offer things that are a little bit more unique. We want to offer uh, things that are vegetarian. We want to offer things that, you know, people who can eat, who do eat meat can eat. Um, so we just wanted to encapsulate really the duality of people. Nice, and okay. um, what better way to do that with everyone's beloved superheroes? You know, oh, okay. yeah. who's your favorite? My favorite hero. So I'm a big X Men guy. Okay. Um. So I gotta say, like Gambit and Beast. Gambit's oh, my dog. Yeah. Okay. Gambit. That's a Gambit is the guy. Beast. Beast is OG. I'm impre- yeah, I like Beast. I'm yeah. And Beast drops some really really Good dope knowledge, words yeah. and knowledge <laughs> and uh, uh, just quotes from authors and stuff. He's he's the OG. Okay. All right. So going going coming back to this food truck here. So yes. I, I mean. Young Village, you know, we operate. Uh, shout out. School. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. And uh, one of the things that I know in my personal memory, I can remember coming back from a date with the lady. I had to pause the date to then come to the truck on site, take all my nice clothes off, get underneath the truck to reattach the water heater, uh, the water uh, tank. Because I was it, there, yeah. It, 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 it kind of dropped off. We hit a couple potholes. Shout out Detroit. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, we had to get it back on. We made it work. We uh, used about five rolls of Gorilla Tape, and yep. then uh, we got back to the garage. Someone uh, met us there and then did it with some real nails. So, you know, food trucks are hard, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What uh? What brought you here? Why 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 did you land on the food truck? I mean the the hard the work cost? the hard work isn't really the part that bothers me, you know. And I think that's the thing that intimidates a lot of people. Whenever you start something or whenever you have an idea, some everyone's going to tell you, "Oh, that's that's really hard to do. That's really hard right. to get into. It's really hard to get licensed." Right. And sure that it's hard, but that doesn't make it impossible. Um. So you know. Working there every day, trying to figure things out, whatever little obstacle comes up, whether it's, you know, like you said, with the the water tank or a water heater or electrical, trying to ground your GFIs properly, like all this stuff that I didn't know when I walked into it. Uh, it it's I want to say it's fun to figure out at the moment. It's never. No, fun, it's not. But, <laughs> it's not fun. But but no, I mean, you have some appreciation for being able to do all that stuff with your hands and, you know, with yourself um, as opposed to like, you know 
being a part of a big corporation or something like that where, you know, you just call the electrician and they come and fix it for you. So what's uh what why don't you give us a little story here? What what okay. what made you what you think like, oh, this is fun later on. <laughs> what was that for you? Yeah. So I gotta I gotta actually own up to to what I said now. Um okay. Probably you, you know what? Let me come. Can I come back to that? Oh, yeah. I'm not thinking what? of it right hey, now. You know, I wouldn't think of anything like that myself at any point. I, I delete all of those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. No, I think I think they're way back there somewhere. Well, I'm a reminisce. I'll yeah. come up with somebody at the end of the show. Yeah. I, I got one. I remember we're opening up beautiful sunny day. It's been raining the last three weekends. We got a, a, a refrigerator full of food, went to the grocery store, went to the depot. And a damn cord breaks for the electrical cord. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had to go to Home Depot and pull up like a thousand YouTube videos. And, um, I had, we had to do a little bit of soldering, kind of had to, <laughs> had to put it together ourselves. Missed that day though. That, you know, yeah, but that is, I, I have tons of days like that, man. Yeah. It was, it's cool. It, it's the love. It is the love indeed. Indeed. So, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we've got a gentleman who has had over 30 occupations in their lifetime, a military background and can put down some of the dopest recipes you may have never heard of uh, when we return on Refrigerator Diaries. All right, we are back on Refrigerated Diaries. I got a couple of interesting facts for the audience here. Um, let's see if everyone will know that. If you knew the answer to this, be sure to let us know when we send this out. Um, Doritos were first made at Disneyland, like all good things American, uh, Doritos can trace their origins to the happiest place on earth. The Tasty Chips were first sold in the 1950s at Casa de Fritos in Frontierland and were made of fried tortillas that otherwise would have been discarded. Think about that the next time you eat a bag of Doritos with salsa. Did not know that, dude. Oh, yeah, I know. So... And we'll be talking about uh, a little bit more of time and uh, time and how time always has to deal with food. Uh, in the 1800s, um, there was a lot, a big movement in terms of what was uh, considered okay to do and what was not considered okay to do. At the forefront of the anti-jacking crusade was John Harvey Kelly. Kellogg believed foods that had very plain flavor, like his cereal, could inhibit one's desire to pet. So definitely a random fact of the day <laughs> that we got submitted here. Now I'm going to jump into a couple of things and let me know what you think. Cheesemonger, just one of the uh, positions that the uh, individual we're going to interview has held, as a trade person who specializes in cheese, Urban Dictionary defines as a vendor of cheese or indeed purveyor of interesting ideas. So it doesn't necessarily have to be cheese in the literal sense, but cheese as in the mental food uh, for thought. So we've got Michael Lampke, right? That's correct. Micah. 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 <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful. And yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Thanks for being on the show here. So you've got quite an interesting history um, in addition to also being in the Marine Corps, right? What did you do in the Marine Corps? 
So it was a uh, miniature micro miniature solderer. Um, I fixed electronics, circuit boards, uh, mainly relating to uh, radios. Okay. Nice. All right. Yeah. Definitely got got into the electronics here. And uh, as I understand, right from high school up to, up to now, you, you've been in um, and been holding it down inside the kitchen, right? That is correct. Uh, my my mom raised me by herself, and then uh, kind of fell into the food industry as my first job. Uh, joined the Marine Corps right out of high school, and then after the Marine Corps, one of my good buddies was a cheesemonger, and I uh, decided to follow him into that <laughs> trade once he, uh, you know, let me taste a few things. Okay, so did did you only deal with cheese? No, I did uh, all charcuterie: uh, cheese, meats, olives, uh, marinated artichokes, pretty much anything that you could pair with wine, cheese. Okay, all right. And then, uh, in addition to that, you've also been quite a quite a your butcher. Uh, in the sense, you've managed a, quite a bit of uh, food and deli operations, and uh, you're currently at uh, twenty nine forty one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a great ride so far. I mean, I've done a ton of different jobs, and someone's going to teach me something. I I want to learn. Yeah. So when you uh, when you left, uh, and I. I understand there were some breaks here as we, as we uh, had previously talked. So when you originally left the kitchen, why did you leave? Uh, I, you know, I kind of wanted to get back into the electronics industry. Um, I mean, there's there's pretty good money in it, and it's something that I, I really do enjoy. Uh, being able to trace a signal through a circuit board and find the one single component that's bad was something that was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more like It was like a puzzle, you know? Getting to do something you enjoy every day. Right, right. I like that. So uh, have you ever thought of doing electronics and food? Like combined, because you, you obviously love food because you've, you've been in the, the industry for quite a bit. Has, has there any been any chance when you're like, let me let me combine these two loves? Cross-platform. Cheese robots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have thought about it. Um, I just don't have the engineering background uh, to where I'd actually be able to make, um, you know, a robot do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. If there was a platform that gave you the background, would you look into it or would you just continue on the path you're on now? Honestly, I like the path I'm on now. Mm-hmm. I feel like when something's done by, um, you know, someone who really cares about what they're doing, it's it's going to taste better. You know, mm-hmm. just because a machine can slice, you know, your deli meats or whatever to make a sandwich – it it's going to taste better when someone puts that extra care into actually taking care of what you want to accomplish. The secret ingredient is love. love. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You got to love what you do. And if someone loves what they're doing, it's naturally going to taste better because they actually care. Absolutely. It's true. Yep. Yep. So I'm curious. And the reason why I ask this is because you, you're in the food industry You've got an electric background, and just recently now in um, L.A., uh, there was the uh, unveiling of the one of the, the first recognized um, artificial robots in, in an instance. It's called Flippy uh, the Robot. Uh, Flippy's main responsibility at the restaurant he's housed in in L.A. is to take a burger. Um, it's He's got like two... Uh, mittens that that act as like a casing to hold the burger they then flip to a 180 and open up and the meat patty 
drops back on the griddle. So this this is the only role it does. Um, the staff takes care of seasoning. They take care of shaping the patties unless they they use uh, pre-made patties. But but at the end of the day, this this is a serious thing. It's, it may eventually lead to uh, some of the automation <laughs> within the industry and Skynet. <laughs> Yeah, you know yeah. That, that's how it begins, man. <laughs> they start cooking our food. I mean, I know, I know of a lot of, um, especially when I was a butcher um, for Hillers. There was a lot of guys that were losing jobs to robots and machines that could, you know, scan a cattle, see where it needs to make the cut, and then, you know, 150 people just lost a job because a robot can do it faster all day, every day. So, I mean, I understand that it's just like the automotive industry. You got to do what's going to make money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I'd still like a cattle hanging and having someone butcher it for me. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I was looking at this. This Flippy, the uh, the robot, can do 150 burgers in one hour and in some cases even more. And I think to myself, but could he season it right? Like, is there is there like uh, we – We've got some Detroit famous jerk chicken that we put out there. I, I don't know if the plug, uh, plug, plug. <laughs> shameless, <laughs> but I'm not sure if that if a robot can can do the things that you need. Like you know, if you got like someone coming in and I say like, hey, I like I personally like to to ask a lot of questions when I make my orders. Whenever I'm sitting down somewhere, I like to know where the food's coming from, how it's going to be prepared, how they're going to cut it. If I, I ask them if they're going to put a seasoning on it, like, is it like bathed in it or do they just, you know, do like the, um, salt guy pinch? You know, we, we, we ask questions here. And so what, like, it, it, it makes me feel scared that this, this is the, uh, the future here, but it sounds like you feel. And I, I'm I'm in agreement here, but I'm, I'm still putting the perspective on you as we're talking to you. You feel that people are going to gravitate towards the natural, the real, the raw. I, I mean, I'd like to think so, but at the same time, we're caught up in this, um, you know, fast-paced system that's worried about you know putting out a certain number rather than quantity or quality. Um, so I feel like, you know, the fast food joints, yeah, why pay someone, you know, $10, $11 an hour when you can buy one robot that'll do it for 25 years? For free. So I, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> no you benefits. Know, certain, no benefits. Free. Yeah, like it, it'll work in certain industries, but at the same time, there's still going to be that desire for a hand cooked home meal by someone who cares you know yeah you know it's not always the case that if it don't make dollars it don't make sense yeah well and a different field but similar uh obstacle um i talked to several like truckers truck drivers and you know they have the thing with the automatic trucks uh the truck excuse me automatic trucks and i asked them you worry about their job being in danger and their thing is there's too much going on where it's still having a human aspect to the job and until we get the point where you know we have true artificial intelligence i think we're a ways away from that actually being a um a a global uh, uh, issue you know um but it's still a it's still a real a real issue we have to you know face because at some point you know computers and automation will begin to get to the in the in the kitchen at some point if not if not flipping burgers taking orders you know, so it was going to happen. 
Yeah, and I mean, even just in the restaurant that I'm at right now, um, we're talking about getting, you know, our beef, lamb coming in already pre-sliced. I mean, there's companies that are slicing whole beef chucks at an eighth of an inch thick. Mm. And they're doing it on a huge rotor. And honestly, like, it's it's cheaper to have them do it than to pay an employee to do it who's going to cut some at a quarter inch, going to cut some at half an inch. You know, it's, it's the consistency that they're looking for. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's talk about where you're at right now. You, you're currently uh, with uh, 2941 Street Foods, which is uh, co-owned by Chef Jacques Van Staden. I, I hope I'm saying it right. Forgive me if I'm not. And um, uh, Andiamo's. Uh, why don't you tell us about how you made that connection? What, what happened there? Um, yeah, so I was uh, I was running a deli. Um, I ended up decided to leave. Uh, it wasn't what I was trying to do with my life. Uh, I have a headhunter service that kind of you know tells me about different opportunities and uh, things I might be interested in. Um, so this guy was a real stand up gentleman. I should really go interview with him. Uh, I went and I met him, and I mean he's he's an amazing guy. Not only is he a Michelin class chef, he actually cares about every aspect of the company including the employees um he made me a sandwich as i was leaving the, you a, the a sandwich uh, on your interview yeah he made <laughs> me a sandwich on my interview and uh on the Did way you? home i took a bite and i instantly called him and said yeah like i'm i'm 100 <laughs> percent that's a hell of a sandwich yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to work for you yeah What's the real sandwich was it? I'm curious. It was a uh, a samoon sandwich with uh, our marinated lamb, red pepper, um, onions, green pepper. Um, I don't know exactly what he threw in it because he was Love. doing it, but it Magic. was it was phenomenal. <laughs> it was good enough. I got on the horn and started calling all my old cheesemonger friends, all my foodie friends, and telling them, "Hey." You gotta go. You gotta go see this restaurant. You know, I mean, I I love food. I love things that taste great. And I had to tell everyone that I know who enjoy yeah. the same kind of thing. Well, honestly, I mean, not only is he a Michelin star chef, he's a two Michelin star chef. He's got two of them, and uh, within his first uh, year, he was projecting about one point five million in sales. Uh, he's definitely surpassed that now. It's, it's been a couple of years, and. and Five locations around the city, so uh, definitely be sure to check out twenty nine forty one Street Food. And how many? Wh- where are the cities that it's located in? Uh, so we've got uh, Birmingham, Rochester Hills, Auburn Hills, Bloomfield Hills, and then the Midtown location. All right. So when we come back, we're gonna figure out what clothing, music, and food all have to do with each other on Refrigerator Diaries. All right. Welcome back to the Refrigerator Diaries. Hashtag, what's your RD? Keeping the people engaged with the food. Share your stories, videos, music, topics. Let us know what is on your diary. So we've got our final guest here, Adriel Velasquez. Did I say that right? You said it right. Correct. Perfect. Perfect. What up, though? (laughs) Hey, just before we dive in with Adriel, here's an, uh, another intro story. Food is a bridge to the world around us. Growing up in a Puerto Rican household, food played a huge part in connecting the family. My father's a picky eater, so therefore I became a picky eater. 
I didn't even eat condiments until the age of 26. It wasn't until I moved to Denver and tried sushi on a dare that my palate was ignited. Almost 10 years later, I've modified my relationship with food, trying everything once. I've hopped from crash diet to fad diet and back again. From low carb to keto, I've challenged my taste buds all along the way. Currently, I have a deeper understanding of food and health and my connection to consciousness. I've removed meat altogether, dramatically decreased my alcohol intake, and have mostly removed all dairy. My plant-based lifestyle... My plant-based lifestyle has me feeling the best I ever have. So, uh, Adriel, uh, for those of you in the audience that are listening, uh, we have got quite a bit of history uh, together. Um, there was a brief time in the life of Godwin <laughs> when I was a mortgage banker for Quicken Loans. Um, two years. Um, and for, for those who, just to put a perspective on this, right? One year at Quicken Loans is two years any other comparable institution with a nine to five uh, hour because at Quicken Loans, you're there from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, plus 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on two Saturdays and at least 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on one Sunday a month if you're a mortgage maker. Was that re- the reserves? Were you the army man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we went to war. Shout out to Dan Gilbert, though. Shout out to Dan Gilbert. Oh, yeah. Opportunity, wow. Detroit. We we love everything you're doing in Gilbertville. Wow. We appreciate it. The city would be nowhere without all of the Opportunity, Detroit, and Bedrock hashtags. So let's jump right into it here. You've got a couple of companies, right? A couple. Well, just one project that I'm working on right now, which is Positive Majority. Mm -hmm. Started it last year, 2017. Okay. And it was just uh, an idea that I had while I was reading a book, and it just like kind of popped in. And I just see people wearing, you know, Nike, Adidas, all kinds of brand name stuff all the time. And I just wanted to create uh, something that signified, you know, unity, because at the time, country, 2016, lots of division was going on. You know, mm-hmm. they're trying to split us up. You know, it's us versus them, black versus white, Democrat. There's just so much splitting of hairs on, you know, minimal things that I just couldn't take it anymore. So I was like, I want to create something that's going to, you know, bring folks together. You know, so when you see the plus M, you see someone wearing plus M out there, they're your friend. They're your neighbor. They're your coworker. You know, they're the chef making those love sandwiches in the kitchen. You know, Absolutely. give them a high five, pat on the back, a smile, open the door for them. I just wanted to do something to do my part and change it up out there. Cause spread some love. Spread some love, man. I love that. I'm like the musketeers. Yeah. So I brought some refrigerator magnets for everyone here yeah. since we're on refrigerator diaries. Very appropriate. I see what you did there. <laughs> you see what I did there? I like that. Got a plug. It's a plug. Adriel has been one step above the rest since the beginning <laughs> I, I definitely can say that so uh, it's more than just clothing though right uh, as I understand you, you work with local artists you're doing like a small imprint here yeah I'm working with a lot of local artists as far as like having them create my designs so like I work a full time job so I don't have time to just sit there draw or learn to draw or do it exactly we're, we're how working. I want to working at JG Wentworth Homeland and still slanging loans bro JG Wentworth <laughs> 
877 cash now. <laughs> <laughs> if you need a mortgage, holler. Um, but anyway, so I work with a lot of, there's so many talented artists in the city of Detroit. Many. Everywhere Absolutely. you look, someone's painting a mural, doing an art opening. Wrapping you know, a food truck. Play Detroit. Shout out to my girl Paulina over there doing great work. But I just, you know, I'm trying to utilize them. You know, I have ideas here in my head, but like I don't have the time to create them. So I will reach out to someone and say, hey, I really love this project that you did. Can you do something in this fashion so I can put it on a T-shirt, put it on a sticker? And so I'm working on some new projects for spring and summer coming up. But I'm also working with a lot of musicians, too, across the country. I have a, a music blog on there, too, called Sound Advice. Mm. And I'm doing interviews with people. And it's like good music that brings good vibes and has conscious thought to it because there's a lot of trash out there that's just, you know, filling people's minds with I don't even understand the lyrics. Garbage. So I'm looking for <laughs> artists that actually are saying something, you know, have some meaning behind their work. So you can go on Sound Advice, find some good music, good artists, and, uh, you know, check it out. Sound Advice is a good name. And Positive Majority is a good name, too. Like, I, I got to say, like, is this is this the work of the artist or are you? <laughs> no, this is logo, this origin logo with the plus M inside the unity triangle. That I created the original art for that. So that's okay. mine. That's like the I wanted something that someone could see from far away and be like, OK, this person, you know, has the same kind of vibes that I do or, you know. They, they're down. <laughs> so in, in a perfect world, where do you see PM going? Where PM, see- that's a great question. I I would love to expand it. It's a one-man operation right now. I would love to take it global, you okay. know, just because I've I've seen people wearing my stuff all across the country. Uh, if you go to my website, the girl's wearing a T-shirt in Ireland. Nice. You know, so I'm just – it's small time right now, but I just kind of want it to grow organically and just kind of – it doesn't have to be just close, you know Correct. what I mean? Okay. So it can expand and I'm going to let it grow. And I'm just taking my time. If I had more capital and more time to put into it right now, you know, it's a different thing. I can probably get some legs on it, but I'm going to let it grow and do its thing and become what it needs to be for the world. And hopefully everyone can enjoy it. Well, you do, I feel you're doing a genuine love. So it's, it's going to grow naturally. Yeah, man. It's all about the love. We need to come together as people these days, you know. I'm done with the separation. Your neighbors, you know, who cares who they're voting for? They're your neighbors. You know, borrow some sugar. You know, invite people. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a time invite people to cookouts. Yeah. You know, like let's come together. We're, the people have the power. All these clowns that are, you know, sitting at the top, just laughing. They're just trying to separate us. So I'm not down with that. We have more light than than we are different. Right. If we, I'm, I'm not going to cue the music here. We, are. <laughs> but uh, we are the world. <laughs> yeah, you know. uh, we are the world. I, I don't have feelings. So <laughs> let's jump right into your your food based project. Here we are on Refrigerated Diaries behind the food. So uh, it's, am I saying this right? It's helado or is it helado? It's helado. Helado. Uh, uh, shout out to my partner in crime, Ellie. Uh, we were just in Costa Rica, and we had this great idea to do raw fruit popsicles. So mm-hmm. this summer, we're going to be partnering up with the likes of you in the beer garden. Yep. And shout out to my people at Detroit, Gather Detroit. Uh, you know, Leah and Kyle, they're doing amazing work there in Easter Market. They're going to let us pop up there. But we're just going to make some raw fruit popsicles from, you know, simple ingredients, just fruit and fruit juices you know and make delicious popsicles she's the mastermind behind all this she's an amazing vegan chef Mm. among other things and she runs the brinery out in um 
Ann Arbor. She's uh, okay. Operating managing, you know, she's yeah, the queen of sauerkraut. That's a, yeah, everyone knows they the sauerkraut. I think. Yeah. yeah, that's they have some point. flame. You know, that's kimchi. how you know it's fuego, man. Everybody yeah, in here is like, oh yeah. Right, man. <laughs> so I mean, she's over there. If you guys need to hook up on the low, we can you know split numbers. <laughs> no, but she's you know in the last six months that we've been together, she's taught me a lot about food and health, and you know her. What she cooks is delicious. So I was like, yeah, if you can make popsicles, then I can, you know, find spots for us to hustle popsicles. <laughs> That's all no day. problem. I'll okay. find a corner. Don't worry about so, that. Uh, look for us out there. Helado is just a play on a Spanish name for ice cream, which is helado. But okay. uh, you'll see okay. us out on those streets and come grab a popsicle and say what up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hold on, what, uh, I'm used to pasteles, right? Did anyone, pasteles. Pasteles. Isn't that that's ice cream? Like, Those are like um, popsicles, right? Kind of. It's, see, that's where you get a change. Like Mexicans call popsicles okay, pasteles. Yeah. Puerto Ricans call pasteles like pastries. Right, right, so right. So it's right. just like, um, you know, tit for tat on different kind of Spanish. Okay. But helado would be ice cream in all Spanish forms. And her name's Ellie, so helado. Who came up with the name? Uh, we, I think we both did. Um, maybe me. All these names uh, are clever, man. How would I? I'm like right? good yeah. at yeah, creating yeah, yeah. names. Yeah. That's like the only thing that I'm good at is creating names, oh, man, <laughs> figuring out know. the rest. If you That's need something, battle, though, right there, half the battle. Yeah. We might have to holler at you, man. You yeah, know, man. Like, I got yeah. ideas for days. Yeah, we got a couple projects here. We need some names for it, you know. We, <laughs> yeah, no worries. If you got a hot dish, don't know what to name it, bring it to me. I'll taste it and I'll name it right on the spot. Cool, cool. <laughs> Guaranteed service here. So in addition to being at the beer garden here, which will be operating in West Village every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, starting in May and going into October, and also gather, where else can we uh, We hope to find Helado? Um, we're not sure yet. You know, this is a, a project that is growing right now. We're about to get in the lab and, you know, start testing out some flavors. We're probably going to run with two or three flavors, and then we want to be out in the open. So it depends on, you know, where we can get, you know, licenses and, you know, wh- where I can leverage my my network. You know, I know a lot of people in the city, you know, wink, uh, wink, wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> shout out to your boy if you want popsicles. I would love to do it outside of Ema because we eat there once a week. That is my space. Oh, um, shout out to Mac Ryan. Shout out. Yeah. To Ema. I love what they're doing over there. The whole staff, oh. the food's bomb always. But um, we'll, we'll find out. I'm going to start with, you know, the beer garden, start with gather, start small. And if uh, we get a good, you know, run, then, you know, we'll be in more spots. Okay. So it sounds like partnership is like a theme. Uh, we've been seeing some of that uh, as of late. Um, do you see any alignment, any cross between PM and Alato? Um, I don't know if there'll be a cross, you know, I'll probably design some stickers and things for that. But what it's more ramping up is she's going to, you know, start doing like a, a food health wellness type blog. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to lead more into, you know, what she's doing. And I'm just kind of like backing her up um, what she wants to do because she's got a lot of great ideas and she just wants to share all of the information on like health, wellness, food, and all that good stuff, uh, and like vegan stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it'll probably cross over into her platform more mm-hmm. so than positive majorties. Cool, cool. So you, you're, you've been vegan for like what, six months now, a year? Uh, kind of. I've been plant-based for the last six months. I'm like tiptoeing my way into vegan. Okay. Uh, getting rid of cheese is a tough one, man. Cheese is like the crack. Um, <laughs> so but I just... found some really good, you know, alternative cheese sources. Uh, you know, f- I think it's what, follow your heart, make some bomb um, Parmesan cheese mm. that is non-dairy, so... 
Yeah. Besides Cheese Wilson, has been a struggle to like, oh. Uh, no struggle, no actually. Struggle? Okay. You know, I've given up a lot of things. I, you know, slow down, drink alcohol, pull out the meat. You know, sometimes if you smell something, you're like, oh. Or like a chicken wing, you see a good-looking <laughs> chicken wing. Every once in a while, you're like, oh, that looks delicious. Mm. But, like, I don't really miss anything. You know, once you start seeing the difference in, like, your mind clarity and, like, how your body changes, you really, you buy in. You know, and it's not that, you know, I'm against meat. You know, it's good for the planet. It's good for the animals. It's just I don't really trust the people handling the food on the back end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all it comes down to. I mean, the amount of hepatitis A that we've seen in the past. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was several breakouts when uh, Little Caesars, uh, a couple of restaurants. I don't want to name names. Uh, I'm I'm on everyone's (laughs) side here. I'm Benny from City of God. Yeah, (laughs) dropping dimes over here. I drop a dime in a heartbeat because it was right by my house. And so that was personal. I'll drop a dime in a heartbeat. (laughs) Snitches get stitches, man. Careful. (laughs) All right. So when we return, we're going to go into food and antibiotics we're going to go into one fair wage and then we're going to take a brief look into lazy cooking on refrigerated diaries <clears throat> all right welcome back to refrigerated diaries and uh, we're going to jump right into our topics here we're going to go into a one fair wage we're going to talk about antibiotics in your food and then we'll also go into a lazy cooking so let's get right in to it. So in the 1950s, uh, American farmers rejoiced at news from a New York laboratory. A team of scientists had discovered that adding antibiotics to livestock feed accelerated animals' growth and cost less than conventional feed supplements. This was a miracle because at the time, farmers were in a pinch. They were struggling. This is coming just after the war. And uh, any, any way to cut costs as a, as a business owner, as we all know today, is looked at. Fast forward to now, we've got this uh, small little problem that most <laughs> <laughs> most doctors, most scientists are speaking to as it relates to antibiotic resistance. You know, the amount of colds and flus that people are getting is at an all time high, and the amount of medications that can fight these different ailments is at an all time low. <laughs> what do you guys think about this? It's not good, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even before, you know, saying stuff like that, we know that there, well, I know, and I'm assuming a lot of other people know that it just is not good practices necessarily that go on and everywhere. You really got to be careful how you source your food and, you know, especially, I mean, to your point, the stuff goes in your body is going to be, you know, what affects you health wise, what affects uh, you, you know, growing, growing older and, and, and all those ways. So. And you said 80 percent of the antibiotics that get sold go to pumping up these chickens. It's a, it's a good amount. Yeah, definitely a good amount. Uh, <laughs> the, by, <laughs> the byproduct. So like after the uh, the pharmaceutical companies get everything they need and with that leftover byproduct is in like put in the bag, <laughs> multiple bags, and shipped off to be uh, livestock feed. Mm. Well, I mean, ugh. <laughs> I, I just, just, ugh yeah. yeah, right. And, and and just two moments ago, you were saying why you were going more clean living and that and make me want to start considering that thing. But as time go on and we're starting to become more aware of it, um, those things will have to change because no one's going to be buying the food. Because you have too many individuals, technology, um, and our 
the ability of our cooking now allow us to uh, substitute, you know, different products. But uh, eight, I'm, I'm gonna repeat, what eighty percent people still eat hot dogs though. So yeah, yeah. people. <laughs> see, that's the thing. You think people will make the right decision, um, but that's saying a lot. You know, people Correct. still go by tons and droves and go to McDonald's every day. But yeah. at the same time, those people usually have the are the least knowledgeable in terms of. Uh, to where you know we make the assumption because we're we're well informed. A lot of the time, those people do not have the the knowledge base to know that this is really not good for them. But I think everyone's seen the pink slime on the internet of what your chicken <laughs> nuggets are made out of. Like I don't know about if it's lack of information or if Video it's just lack viral. of like money. You know, because people are in poor neighborhoods that they're just like. Well, we can't do anything. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Beyond information, I would even go and say education. Like, it's Correct. really, really sad that, you know, we have an educational system where they don't teach you some fundamental things like how to cook, how, you know, what to eat and why to eat those things. And, you know, going on a, a, a different note, but financial literacy, like how to, you know, uh, um, you know, how to get good credit and how to get a mortgage and, you know, all that stuff. Jake, you want <laughs> all that stuff is is not straightforward it's not Correct. i mean there there's an educational element and i feel like at some point that should be taught especially in public school systems or at least you know somewhere that should be accessible to to everyone and if not mandated at least accessible well, it's, it's yeah. a it's a culture you know i have a friend who i continuously tell him stop eating dollar hamburgers mm. yeah you know it's cost a dollar <laughs> Think like, for a reason think like, about it think put, about it put it together <laughs> and it's literally been about a year of me saying this that started right kind of click into them that you know this is might not be the best so some of it i think is all we're saying maybe it might just be a consistency to stay on top of it um yeah but that's that's really sad you know because that's as a direct correlation why you know i think we had one of the best worst flu seasons this year this past year, like everyone had the flu, yeah. yeah. You know, my girlfriend had it, you know, and so, uh, but that's a I guess go hand in hand, you know, definitely you are what you eat. And then, I mean, on the opposite side of that, I mean, one of my dad's lifelong friends, um, he owned a very successful construction company. He decided to sell it and buy twenty brown cow. Mm-hmm. Um, did super successful. The next year, he bought twenty black Angus. Six were pregnant, so we got 26 cows for the price of six or 20. Uh, He's got a bunch of lamb. He does everything completely organic, doesn't do antibiotics, no steroids. Yeah. So, I mean, it's there, there are people that are starting to make the change and say, hey, like, just because this is more profitable, nobody's doing this the way we need it to be done. Correct. And it's nice to see that people are actually kind of taking those steps. It's like, I don't have the space to raise twenty cow. <laughs> like right. yeah. I would love to, but they can you get know, you it's... a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll talk after this. <laughs> right. But you know, right. it's, it's it's cool to see that you know people that are are, are actually taking the the steps. They're like you know, I can help my community and sell correct. Yeah. You know, fresh good cattle to the people who want it. You know, relocalizing food, I think, is a super very, important thing. Yeah, and correct. teaching people how to grow their own food in their own backyard, you know, shouldn't yeah. be such a foreign, you know, thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think the reality too, like we all said, is just the education piece, and and even opening up the books, letting people know, like, um, 
what what things cost. Like uh, whenever I get a catering call, I, I have a very open book policy. Like I say, hey, this is how much the food is going to cost. This is how much the labor is going to cost. I usually expense labor out on the uh, the party. And then I say, like, this is what my general fee is if you want me here to oversee the whole thing or if you just want me to to drop off the food. And, um, you know, I, I always start off with like, okay, like we start talking about the budget. And, um, usually my favorite thing to say is like a hot and ready is $6 and that will feed three people, maybe, <laughs> you know, so think about it. <laughs> like, let's, let's think about it. Um, and then moving on and transitioning into the reality of things as we think about costs and things, uh, well, let's go into it's one fair wage here. So um, a little known fact here. By 1932, uh, one of the bleakest years in the Great Depression, at least one quarter of the American workforce was unemployed. When President Franklin Roosevelt took office in 1933, he acted swiftly to try and stabilize the economy and provide jobs and relief to those who were suffering with the New Deal. Another unknown, a little known fact about the New Deal is that the Pullman Train Corporation and the National Restaurant Association, the other NRA, also pulled together to include tipped wages as part of the New Deal because newly freed slaves were already doing that uh, work anyway. A lot of people don't know this, but tipping is actually rooted uh, on the back end in slavery. It originally came here uh, with wealthy Americans who were coming back from Europe. Um, I started bringing that idea of tipping here because of the whole idea of noblesse, no pledge. And overseas, um, tipping was actually in addition to a sustainable wage, whereas over here, it was not associated with. So much, too, that after the news of it being used here in the fashion that it was used got back overseas, tipping overseas is almost um, eradicated. Like, you go a couple places, they still got it going on because of Americanization in most uh, parts of what what happens with globalization. But uh, as far as it's concerned, <laughs> here in the States, it's, it's stuck around. Um, so uh, Michigan is currently looking to have the one fair wage on the ballot, uh, having a one fair wage for all, uh, increasing the total, uh, minimum wage up to $12 an hour with a five year phase on, uh, tipped workers at the end of five years also, uh, receiving a $12 minimum wage as well. Um, currently on the truck, I, I understand sustainable wages. Uh, we pay everyone about 15 an hour in addition to offering an incubation program, but, um, this is, this is trending to be the future here. There's a, there's a couple sides <laughs> that are uh, planting their flags out here. What, what do you guys uh, think about this all? I think it's interesting. I, I think just knowing a lot of servers, a lot of people who work in the restaurant industry, bar industry, it's divided. And you wouldn't think that, you know, it, it would be necessarily, but you know, some of the stuff that, that you don't see that people are taking sides on a lot of service and not to call everyone out here, but a lot of servers don't want to claim all their tips on their taxes. Right. So it's a way to evade some of that. Um, you know, so that moving to a fair way, moving to a, a single dollar amount, um, with tipping being less important kind of messes up their game a little bit. So like I get that perspective. Um, you know, I, I could appreciate that, but I, I, completely agree with you know this is a a system that started in in such a you know just a disgusting way and it's just carried on for so many generations you know so it's uh it's tough and i you know i'm with you godwin i mean it it, it's we pay fair fair wages on our truck and i 
the the interesting thing is when you see like a lot of the fast casual places start opening up they kind of just go towards wages anyways because they're not having servers and stuff like that mm-hmm. and that's that industry is is you know probably the most uh highest growing in yeah, the restaurant you know, industry so I, I do a lot of research on fast casual restaurants yeah. and from 2013 up to now that is the only industry within the restaurant industry that has seen double digit growth yeah. each year yeah well I think with a fair wage, uh, kind of go back to my point of um, lack of knowledge. Because me, it wasn't until I started working with the food truck and started working with Gowan and other chefs and other restaurants capacity that I realized that there was a a separation between the front of the house and the back of the house. And so I, 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 for me, I think a lot of the consumers aren't aware of that level of separation and pay. And, and I think the more people are aware of it, understand what's going on, I think we were talking about it on you know, Facebook, and someone uh, flat out asked, "What is that? You know, what, like what's the one fair wage? I, I, I get, I know the words one fair wage, but what does it really mean in the capacity of a restaurant, and how does it affect everyone? So I think uh, getting the information out there to the consumers, because you know we're seeing a lot right now. We have a time where a lot of consumers are forcing the companies and and people to make policy change. You know. Um, you have some, you said the other NRA, you have some consumers, some um, saying they won't participate with the NRA, the gun NRA, because of what's going on. I mean, that's a different topic. But point is, you have a level of uh, leverage that the consumers yeah. are starting to recognize that we have. And if we see a, something, a change, we can, hey, either you change it or we will stop going there. We'll stop buying your food, you know, so. I mean, I think it's just a matter of getting the knowledge out there and spreading the word. Uh, I will say, hats off to you, guy. When you, from the time I started working with you, you have been a champion of this. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you know, it. So, plug, plug. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, we're going to end off with a, a little something here. Um, I like to do this with every episode here. So, I, I was received a picture of a baked cheesy apple sandwich i also received a picture of a sandwich with um cheddar cheese wonder bread and coleslaw with barbecue sauce didn't try to make any of these or try to even think what they tasted like but (laughs) i just automatically assume man this this has got to be associated with lazy cooking here so we're we're gonna tap off here i want each of you guys to kind of give me uh (laughs) Some of your uh, your take on lazy cooking, be it recipe or uh, just thoughts on the subject in general. Here, we'll, we'll round table it here. Uh, we'll start with you, Micah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I totally understand the whole lazy cooking. Um, I cook all day in a restaurant. I come home. I have full custody of my son. So sometimes, you know, it, is it? I'm not gonna take the most time to, <laughs> to make a dinner um i always use good ingredients i i only feed him you know the, the best, best the finest, best of the what finest, i can the finest what i could possibly your afford um, there's plenty of times i've made him a full dinner and ate ramen noodles uh just so that he eats correctly um but yeah i mean i, mean, I understand it sometimes you you have to you have to skimp and so I mean, what's your favorite quick fix? 
Oh, see, I, I mean, this goes back to my cheesemonger days. Some people might not consider this lazy cooking, but uh, <laughs> a grilled cheese sandwich with brie, yes. uh, mm-hmm. green apple slices, and maybe just a piece of ham thrown mm-hmm. on a panini press. Um, you can uh, you can throw in, you know a nice aioli on there if you want, but I mean, it's it's phenomenal. It tastes great, and it's it's actually not too bad for you. Uh, mm-hmm. So I mean that's that's kind of like my definition of lazy cooking. So, mm-hmm. I mean it may vary from pe- person to person. But, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I also have a restaurant quality panini press. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, nice yeah, you know it's yeah. easy. It's sitting right there. You just lazy turn it but on, fancy. It's, it's there, you know, yeah. it's a it was a Christmas present. <laughs> right. You know, I, I got a lot of those right now. <laughs> People find out you cook and. That is what you get. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's not it's not all bad. It's all good. I, I love everything. Um so Rich, yes. you, got, you got you got some children at the home yourself. We you? I do, we do. Uh my girlfriend and I uh we have two daughters, ten and six, and to your point, I I just thought about it. I made breakfast for them this morning and I, I just had coffee. That that was my breakfast. Um <laughs> so I mean that that happens and um, I was, I've been thinking about this cause right. You send me the topics. I'm like, all right, lazy food. I don't really use a microwave for lazy food. You know, for me, at least like, even if it's soup or something, I'm, I'm putting it on the stove, okay. you know, to your point, a grilled cheese in my case would be lazy. Um, but I will say like on the go and I'm, you know, I got to get something to sustain me. I'm a real big protein shake kind of guy. Okay. And I'm talking about like a scoop of protein powder, uh, I use alternative milk, like uh, there's this pea milk that this is is really good. It's called That's Ripple. What we're talking it's, about. It's, I'll it's, check that yeah, out. it's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 plant based. Uh, the main ingredient is pea powder. It's our pea protein. It's mm. phenomenal. But um, but no. So I just. We'll shake one of those up and that's that's breakfast, lunch or dinner, depending on, <laughs> you know, when I need it. So that that to me is is my lazy one. Um, yeah, that that's how. <laughs> OK, man, I remember I was talking to you earlier and I thought you were speaking another language, man. You said uh, and I was I said this like a lot. Oh, I, yeah. I, the Jardinera. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it is? Jardinera? Jardinera. Yeah. Okay. So. So, no, I was telling you about a recipe. Um, it's a real lazy uh, tuna salad recipe, right? So I just take cans of tuna salad, open or cans of tuna, dump it into a bowl, about a half cup of mayo, and then just add jardinera. And jardinera is a, a mix of pickled veggies, right? So in Italian, it means from the garden. And in Chicago, you get that everywhere. It's a staple. You get it from Subway. You can get it on your pizza. You can get it just on anything. So that's why the hot dogs have all that stuff on it. It's, uh, Italian beefs have jardinera. Hot dogs have... We can go through the description, but it's tomatoes, <laughs> relish, peppers, pop, it's got to be a poppy seed. Um, uh, there's pickles. Okay. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And love. Lots and of love. love. Lots of love. <laughs> I see. But uh, yeah, the Jardinera, it's, it's fantastic. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now let's, let's close this off here, Adrian. What, what? <laughs> My lazy cooking always comes down to like I try not to eat after 8 p.m. Um, but you get into like 8.30 to like 10.30 range, you might be a little hungry. And I I always have tortillas in the fridge. I'm Hispanic. You know? <laughs> I did not know that. So no. I will just toss a tortilla up, put some cheese. No skillet, right? No, no, skillet. no just, just right on the right flat on top. on the flat top. You know, like my mom used to do, heat the tortilla, put the cheese in there. And if I have any veggies or anything, I will just toss it in there and make a quick quesadilla. Or if there's no tortillas, you get the tortilla chips. You know, it's, it's a theme. 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let and me... put some cheese on that and yeah. some veggies on that, and you have some, some quick, lazy nachos. Yeah. <laughs> I feel me. like that's at the authentic Hispanic, though, is when yeah. you don't have a, a, a skillet or you don't have a, a sauté pan. You You're just doing it with your, your hands. Ass. You burn your hands, but, but it's part of the best is that black part that's yeah. burnt. That's yeah. the tastiest part of the whole <laughs> That's how you grill tortilla. Like, no, that's the only way. I got, do you, um, so we had a guest on, uh, last episode, and he said his, um, his coworker, was his coworker's mother, grandmother, mother grandmother. was, uh, showing him how to make tortillas from scratch. You, you got that going on? With the masa? I've done it before. My buddy Gus out in Hawaii showed me how to cook it with the masa. So you get the corn, the corn masa, and you roll it up and you fry it. And you won't have a better tortilla in your life just because it's fresh and hot. When you have the fresh, cooked, hot tortilla, it's hard to beat, you know. But it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of love to make the little balls of masa, put it in the oil, press it down, flip it, flip it, flip it, flip it, and then cook it. But it's, it's worth the time. Okay. Well, on that note, if you want something done right, put in the time. Thank you for listening to Refrigerated Diaries. We'll see you on the next episode. And-